Next Chapter Podcasts. Hi, and welcome back to How I Got Greenlit. Life during wartime, the writer's strike continues. Ukrainian war continues. Man's inhumanity to man continues. But hey, I'm in your ear, and it's going to be okay. So keep walking on that treadmill. Keep folding that laundry. Keep handing out those cans at the soup kitchen. It's going to be all right. And what will make it all right, of course, is part two of our interview with Lori Collier, esteemed director of film and television. Just a great hang. You know, one of my distinct pleasures about doing this show is I didn't know Lori. Lori came to us through Ollie Blackburn, another uh, interview that we had previously. And that's what's great. When I started the business, maybe it's just you're a younger person. You meet more people. You go to more parties. You go to bars. Hey, a bunch of us are going to watch a screening, whatever. But you get older. You get kids. You get mortgages. You're just like, man, what's what's in it for me? Or I'm too busy. Or I got to go to soccer practice with the kid or whatever. And so this is kind of my quasi ersatz social outing. And I love it. Obviously, my partner, Ryan Gibson, is a huge part of it. And Lori's a big part of it. What an interesting person. Smart, artistic, a real open heart. You know, she, she started, as we found out last week, she, she started in filmmaking through docs, through her social work, and through trying to translate making the world a better place uh, through film. And so now she's directing episodes of Billions, <laughs> which, by the way, I love the show. No, no, no slight on her or the show. I love her. I love, I love uh, Billions. I think it's the classic tale of we all want the world to be a better place, or maybe just artists do, or maybe just I do. I, I who knows? But the point is, is like I keep coming back to Sullivan's Travels because I'm an old man at heart and have been my whole life. It's a movie from the '40s. And it's about a director who achieves some success with fairly lighthearted fare, decides he wants to make a movie of substance, goes undercover riding on the rails in Depression-era America to meet the real people and find the real stories, and comes to understand that even the lightest fare, in this case a Mickey Mouse cartoon, projected on a sheet in a barn with a bunch of what they called then hobos, enjoying it and laughing wholeheartedly because of the escape and i think we forget that sometimes that the power of film and tv is not always about the hard-hitting doc and it's not always about the heartfelt emotional wrenching story that wins sundance or wins an oscar it's about escapism sometimes and it's about helping non-filmmakers achieve some sort of catharsis in their own life. I know it's lofty to say such, and it's probably totally inaccurate, but there's something to it. And it's certainly what I hear from my relatives in the Midwest. They're like, can't you just make something fun? Why do I have to learn every time I turn on the TV? So, you know, I get it. I hope that our podcast brings catharsis to your life and your laundry folding. And without further ado, 
This is part two of Lori Collier's interview with us, and this is how I got greenlit. You know, I still like watch American movies. Now I'm in the Academy. I'm in the DGA and the WGA. I vote my ass off. I'm on the documentary screening committee for the DGA. I watched 25. By December 14th, I have to watch 25 documentaries. I watch a lot of shit, right? First of all, I'm going to say, I think a good documentary, the good documentaries are often better than the good features. Ooh, that's what I'm saying. Shots fired. That's a hot take right and there. And I just feel like American storytellers are still, you know, pulling a lot of punches. Mm. The movie I loved was um, Cresha. Did you guys see that? Are you mad at me? Mm-mm. For sure. Mm-hmm. I just want to be close to you. That was so harsh. It was just like a portrait of an old alcoholic coming home for Thanksgiving. And, but I mention it in this context because I felt like, wow, there's a storyteller who's just not pulling any punches. Um, you know, well, they're still happening here and there. I'm just saying that there's these movements, you know, the, 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 the culture. I mean, you don't even see it when it's happening. You kind of see it in retrospect. Right. But there does, it, there does feel, yes. I mean, American, wouldn't you say that uh, unlike you, a lot of American filmmakers get in it because they want to do a Marvel movie or something, right? <laughs> like they're looking like to be famous, to get like for all the wrong reasons. And by the way, you could say that about a lot of actors too, right? Like yeah. people come to this business for different reasons. a lot of, well, yeah. a lot of psychological uh, shortcomings and they think they're going to fill it with fame and fortune. I don't know, but well, there is definitely... What's that? Some of them do. Some of them do. Um, and yeah, I mean, you're you're one of the few like uh, people that I've met that yeah are not. It, it, they don't see it as a means to an end to a payday or to a you know sort of you know Star Wars sequel prequel gig or whatever, right? I mean, there's just a lot of that going on. So there, it could be that they're pulling punches because they don't want to uh, polarize an audience, yeah. right? But Alex, you and I talk about this all the time. That's why you don't see movies that like we grew up on in the '70s and '80s that exactly. don't get made. Uh, E G I E Scarecrow. Um, I know. Oh, oh, look at keeping us on the train. Toot, I just toot. think. Well, well, look. Wait, wait. Before we do this, hold on. I see. I feel a segue coming. But before, hold on, hold on. One other question. One other question. Okay. Okay, I'll be super fast. So, uh, subcategory A Z. What is the difference between directing a Showtime one hour? and a network one hour, i.e. Uh, Law & Order SVU versus Billions. Um, billions, you the, get more. What's the structural? More time, more Go ahead. money. Billions get more time, more money. Yeah. So it's scheduling. It's, yeah, it's scheduling. Just, it's all, but it's also a volume business, right? Like Billions has like a 12 order and SVU has like a 22 or what? Yeah. So, so they you just have five yeah. days to shoot your, your SVU episode. Five days. <laughs> And you have what uh, nine days for for um, billions? You know, 10? a lot of times it could grow to ten or eleven. Yeah, but roughly double the time. Yeah, and the same goes for prep. You get more prep days. 
Mm-hmm. Showtime is really sweet, a sweet gig, and and they're a great, yeah. great company. Yeah, but also yeah. SVU is the money, great a money printer for them, and they probably have gone. They've done so many contracts because it's been on for so long that it's expensive for them to make. So they probably have to keep production times. They're low. squeezing it out of the Whereas, schedule because <laughs> Ice T is getting paid coming off the screen. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I, I, I do. I have another, I have a question because we've talked about docs and I've worked in the doc world before. Um, did you, have you seen it, Lori, or do you, did you ever have a feeling? And I don't see this with your career, but coming from the doc world, you see a lot of doc folks, especially directors get, locked in or pigeonholed into the doc world you see, yes you seemed to completely avoid that um you do it well so i just wanted to you, you wrote your yeah, way you out, wrote of your, you you wrote your way out of it is that well i also only made one doc because i have a friend who um tried to write her way out of it but she had had you know she made three docs you know and do you think um, she is pigeonholed into the doc world now? i think she is but i think she's on the of enormous success and she's going to direct a feature soon that's what i i think people who do verite doc stuff and the camera work that's required for small crews and what they do in doc i i think it lends itself to really cool features if people looked at it that way you guys have to see bitter brush it is astonishing it is so beautiful and it is so subtle and um it's exactly what I was talking about, you know, in terms of the best movies that I'm seeing in both, you know, genres. I'll say I'll call doc a genre and fiction a genre. Um, the docs. Are- and an Armenian filmmaker, Amelie Madavian. Yeah, I saw that. Um, Curtis Clayton, my guy, cut it. And I didn't even know when I watched it. And then Curtis's name came up and I was like, oh, shit. And I we started talking about it um, and the girls, but the women, but um, also Ascension last year, goddamn masterpiece. Holy my God. Um, but anyway, yeah, it's like doc directing. You don't block your actors. You block your camera person. Yeah. Right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's real directing, you know, you're paying attention to the light and the frame and all that stuff, but it's instead of telling your actors what to do, you're telling your DP and your sound. But person. at times you have to let the camera tell the story where you're not getting, st- you know, some people that you interview or talking to don't aren't it's if you're shooting Verite, don't give you exactly what you want. So you or the perfect or, framing yeah. or you just have and to so go. With it, yeah. It's just I it is. I hate to see it because I see a lot of docs that I think are just absolutely stunning. And I'm like, wow, that. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. Jessica Dimmick is another one. Did you guys see Flint Town? I did not. I have that not seen that. Girl. That woman can shoot. Flint is an average by a long shot. It's hard to step out of your own skin and realize that this isn't what everyone else is dealing with. I mean, every system has a breaking point. And I don't know where ours is. Her frames are beautiful. Her lighting, beautiful. She's so talented. She also did that captive, I think Captive Audience was it called? The series on Hulu about the kid who got kidnapped and then came back. I haven't heard of that. God, that was really dark. But anyway, 
we're going on. Uh, no, that's great. That's great. I mean, we're, we're well, let's go back to movies so, that aren't made yeah. anymore. Which, which, <laughs> brings, which brings us to what Lori has brought to the table today. Uh, a movie I had never, uh, admittedly, I'd never heard of. I had never seen uh, by a director who I knew. Um, at, right. Anakin um, Needle Park, right? Um, Alex, what do you, I mean, I just, first of all, Gene Hackman. Uh, the, the movie's called The Scarecrow. Uh, my apologies. The Scarecrow. Um yeah, Jerry Schatzberg yeah, as you know his 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 A film would definitely be Panic in Needle Park. Uh, you know, a, a, an auteur of that time maybe, you know, n- no offense, uh, I don't I wouldn't say secondary but lesser known than some of yes. the other uh, cohorts of the time. Yes. Um and uh this film shows up in those uh you know easy rider kind of books where they talk about the the community and the the sort of era of great filmmaking of the late 60s early 70s and um you know this is probably most notable i mean you tell us because this is your choice but most notable on sort of the film landscape because of the leads of gene hackman and al pacino uh at at an emergent point in their career well certainly more for al i mean gene uh, Hackman Much was, was the bigger star at that point, and uh, but they it, it, it's uh, it's definitely a showpiece for them, and it's in that subcategory of like five easy pieces and just like not a super hard plotted film. I mean, it is a plot. There's a road. It's a road picture, but like the rain people or whatever. It's sort of a a looser structure to allow actors to. Would you say? To, yeah. to allow actors to shine and uh it's really a two-hander it, it almost vibes like midnight cowboy but again yes. without that sort of high, it, more plotted um kind of tightness and uh it just it, it, it as ryan said they don't make them like that anymore you don't really no. see that kind of thing, especially with these this caliber of talent you might see it in uh smaller films indie filmmakers now but it's just I mean, they hitch, you know, of mice and men. It's just, a, it's a, it's a lost kind of thing. They uh, hitchhike for the first fifteen minutes of the movie. You know, yeah. I mean, it's a road <laughs> They do. It's a road picture. They do. Yeah. Um, yeah. You don't even, you don't even see hitchhiking anymore. <laughs> hey, what the hell's up? I'm out here now. It's five hours. I don't know. I don't know what he said. Well, you talk to him. Well, wait a minute. I'll get him on the wire. Hold on there. Lori, when did you first see this film? Good question. Long enough ago that this morning I was like, oh, shit, I got to watch that movie. (laughs) So, I mean, I taught. You you had to fit it in with all your screeners for your Academy uh, homework. (laughs) I I barely scratched the surface with those, but I have started the docs. But um, I taught a class in 2010. I was a professor at the New School undergrad um, college, Eugene Lang College. Ah, my daughter's going there right this second. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was there. Oh, so the strike. Yikes. Uh-oh. Don't tell Grandpa. Uh, what are those socialists up to now? Um, no, it's, it's – well, whatever. Um, I taught yeah. a class no, anyway, called – yeah. <laughs> just just for everybody so the new school is a school in new york it's a very prestigious art school they are currently in, uh the teachers are or no the adjunct 
uh, professors yes. and teachers are striking for more money, better benefits. And, you know, the, the administrator just from, this is anecdotal at best, but according to my daughter, the president of the university makes as much as the president of Harvard and they just want a little piece. This oh, is, this is happening okay. at it's, USC it's and U- UCLA right now too. This is also happening. Yeah, no, no, it's the adjunct over. thing yeah. is, is, is it should be illegal. It's the right. Uber of education. They right? do no the bennies. they do the classes, the Ridiculous. lesson plans. Yeah, they do all the work. The grades, ninety they do all the grading. Of the staff. Yeah, they get no uh, no bennies, no um, tenure, no nothing. Right? When well, they get paid less than minimum. Yeah, wage. when someone says, "I just want to make Literally, twelve thousand five hundred a year," then you know there's a there's, <laughs> where's the money going? Because new school ain't cheap. Mm-mm. Yeah, exactly. Um, but so I worked there as a visiting professor. So I was full time and I, I had a good enough salary, although regular professor salary is also, you know, low for New York standards, but it was good mm-hmm. enough, you know, um, by the way, this, and I taught a class. I'm sorry to interrupt. Called, by the way, this segment is being sponsored by new school. So you- <laughs> <laughs> no, it certainly is not the new school. Uh, yeah, it's, it's new, new since nineteen eighteen. So sorry, sorry, uh, sorry to interrupt, but I had to. Nineteen forty-five. Sorry, well, my apologies. Yeah, go ahead. No, yeah, that was good. Um, I taught a class called Hollywood in the seventies, and I probably watched it. Oh then. my Ooh. god, that's amazing! Oh, that was so fun. That's a goodie. That did was... you get to make your own curriculum and stuff? Was yeah, that class so everybody had yeah. oral oh, presentation. Cool. They did it the European way. I don't know if you guys know about nice. that. That is a cool everybody, class. It was great. And so, you know, I couldn't get Mr. Goodmore though. I couldn't that it's like out of print, you know, it's so funny. You can't, but I, what, we what, still you mean you couldn't find it? Subjects. No, I couldn't find it. Oh, that's I couldn't strange. find it on DVD or streaming back then. It was more, people were still watching a lot of DVDs. Um, but you know, I taught all the classics. I don't think I taught Scarecrow, but I watched it. You know, at that time, probably after the class, and I probably said to myself, "Shit, I wish I knew about this." But um, Jerry Schatzberg, we did watch The Panic in Needle Park. Jerry Schatzberg was a fashion photographer. I love yes. that fun fact about Jerry Schatzberg a, because a, his a movies very... are so gritty and like. Yeah, like the opposite of fashion photography. (laughs) And it's putrid, you know? Um, Right. right. So, yeah, that was, that was, I had them all do presentations on like, you know, the, the, you know, what was the social history of the time. So we did divorce, we did cults, we did women's liberation, gay liberation, you know, all that. And they would present. And then we talk about whatever movie connected to that. Um, It was probably the, best class and I, I taught adaptation as well those two classes were my best um so it nice. was like maybe i don't know you taught the class you wish you had right that's yeah the best. yeah totally um but i love a love story that is not about lovers i love a love story right. that is about lovers and you know i wrote one and i will write another one at some point but right now i'm writing a sister love story um that's super harsh and you know i told you um uh, well isn't cherry baby a kind of a sibling love story in a sad it's way mother too? daughter i think more you know yeah or like you know 
Well, I meant just the, the fight between the, yeah, no, I hear to you. To be a mother-daughter I mean, love story, but she doesn't yeah, really know yeah, yeah. her daughter, right? How to, right, and she doesn't know how to be a mother. No. But so that that appeals to me all the time. So I think Scarecrow is a love story of these two friends. And then mm-hmm. I also love unlikely friends, unlikely, not even that friendly, but both very marginalized. Like, you know, you mm-hmm. know, something happened to these guys, like individually, separately, you know, in their own lives that, you know, they carry a lot like Gene Hackman's characters wearing all these layers of clothes. Yes, it made literally. Me think about, you know, uh, I was uh, with some filmy friends on Saturday night and we were talking about production designers, you know, not getting, you know, their proper credit. And I was like, what about costume designers, guys? Come on, you know? And then me and my friend Annie were like, you know, if costume designers wasn't a female job, it would be so much more respected. Da, 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 da. Because it is a way to, you know, express character. To, it's visually expressing character, character in a story. Yep. And they did that, you know, so strong with Gene Hackman's character. But, um, you know, so an unlikely friendship, a love story. And then it's also a really quiet, meandering story, which I love. <laughs> I don't know why. Uh, so you would say just somewhere generally. between I, like the mythic and the documentary too. And I find that. Yeah. That really it's cool. definitely archetypical. But, but, but would you just generally as a filmmaker, you. You're not a heavy plotter. No, You're I mean, Sunday Junior meanders yeah. and then she's pregnant, yeah, you know? Yeah. yeah. And, and this is and like. So it's character, character. I mean, when you sit down, do you have an outline? Do you have a, I mean, do you, or does the character just lead you? I'm outlining now. I don't think I outlined. But then Jr. you didn't. Sunlight yeah. Junior came to me in a dream, actually, <clears throat> because I was going to quit filmmaking Ooh. and go get my MSW. <laughs> <laughs> to be a social worker, um, and then I woke up and I was like, "Okay, I'll give this a shot." And then I wow fought for it. You know, that was a hard. I've had enough me. of the, I've had enough of this shit. Yeah. <laughs> so and then, but so it meanders. It's quiet. There's a lot of landscape. I feel like the opening really evokes the Wizard of Oz for some reason. I just think that sky yeah. and the. But but it almost looks like they're like okies. Yeah, you know, wandering around. Like it, it's out of time. Yeah. in the brown part of the heartland and um you mean before color correction where everything no just like the brown is, grass like you know it's just no but i'm saying like i i'm i'm watching older films and you know you see film grain you see oh, um I see different color palettes but now like I mean, everything like like you watch like Drive, and you're just like, oh, look, there's blue and gold. You know, like it's just some color correction is a bizarre phenomenon that's really changed the look of movies. Yeah, I mean, I understand that like digital, whatever, but like you just you look at some of these old films, and they almost look washed out, and they're just trying to be realistic. You know what I mean? Yeah, and then some of them because they're you know they're they they're going to the red a little bit right they're 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 fading the mm -hmm. prints are actually fading. Well, that's okay. So that's an interesting question. Maybe I'm watching bad transfers um, or not bad, but just old transfers transfers of old old prints. prints. Yeah, yeah. So maybe they're maybe the filmmakers did have more (laughs) saturation than they were intending. I don't know. 
Um, and then, so the meandering, sort of plotless, character-driven story, and then something really twisted and awful happens, right? And then right. it just sets everything in, in a new direction, even though they're still going to Pittsburgh. They've now switched roles. And it's so psychological. I love a psychological movie that's not a thriller. I'll say it. Right. That's not trying to tell you it's psychological. It's not trying to give you a heart attack. (laughs) (laughs) I don't mind thrillers. You know, they're not my favorite genre. Um, But I I like, you know, I like a good one. Um, But, but this is the, you know, this scarecrow is like, if I, you know, I really thought about it. I'm like, if I pick a B-side movie that really, you know, expresses what turns me on the most, it would be, be this, you know? It's a two-hander. There's a lot of subtext, a a shitload of subtext. Almost nothing literal is being said except all the, you know, the climax around the child and the ex-wife and stuff like that. But everything else is pretty subtextual. Um, And then, you know, like you said at the beginning, those performances, I would argue that those are those guys' best two performances, you know? When you research this movie and you hear about the making of the film, they both came away they came in with mutual respect they left with mutual respect but apparently it wasn't no pacino you know, didn't like hackman you could tell it was not a it was not a love affair no 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 no, no. off screen well, yeah that's team hackman's was that a style oh. well that's he's a prickly guy I yeah mean, it, it, a lot of people say that yeah. but it it's method versus i, I mean do you, going to back to your career a little bit do when you have two powerful leads that have radically different styles, are you having to be a referee at a times for the way yes. for the way that they come to Absolutely. it? Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, Naomi taught me something really genius, which is um, when we were doing our script analysis in Charlie Corwin's office, um, I was like, "Let's talk schedule," because you know, schedule is also like part of the art and craft of filmmaking. Like, yep when do you shoot what, you know, in what mm-hmm. part of the entire shoot, what part of the day, you know, da, da, da. So I was like, let's leave the sex scenes for the end. And Naomi was like, no, 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 no. We do all the sex scenes at the beginning. And then she goes, because if I decide I hate him, <laughs> oh, wow, it won't come off. It won't, it won't be nice. on the screen. She was like, if I decide yes. I hate him, it will not be on the screen. We will yes. not know each other yet. And I was like, ding, yes. ding, 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 ding. Thank you. That's good advice, everybody. I'm always going to do that. It's also interesting, too, because, and I guess rightfully so, I don't know. It's I don't know what to say or believe anymore. But like a sex scene involves two people, a man and a woman, and they're both being exposed, literally and figuratively, yeah. right? Yeah. But I, I always, I, because my, lead was younger and less proven i was much more concerned about her and now that i think about it i'm like well gosh i mean both people are 
exposing themselves. Maybe I should have been more respectful to both parties, but it's one of those chivalrous things. Like maybe for a man, I was worried about, you know what I'm saying? But I hear what you're like, saying. And yeah, I mean, generally when you hear these stories, it, you know, maybe it boils down to puerile, like, well, he was wearing a sock or blah, blah, blah. But I'm just talking more about like, maybe in this sub genre of power dynamics. It's like, they're both vulnerable, vulnerable yeah. right? Yeah. And but yet we tend to be like, is the woman okay? Is she safe? Is she all right? Is every can I put my hand here? Da 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 da. Right? It just that still remains a is the woman okay? Is the yeah. woman safe? Is the woman you know? Yeah. Um, and Matt Dillon is such this like tough guy. You're probably like, ah, he can whip it out whenever he wants. He's he's Matt Dillon for Christ's sake. You know, it's like I don't know. It's it's a it's a weird I'm thing. To remember how. He talked about the love scenes um, because I think I was much more focused on her, you know? Yep. Like, yep. To your point. And, and I'm but, curious if you it's know, just there's a woman, reason for you know? that. I was watching Clean and Sober this weekend, which is 1980 movies starring Michael Keaton. And- Laugh Riot about sobriety. Yeah, yes. it's a really yeah, good movie. Yeah. So good. That was when everybody was like, holy shit, he's not Mr. Mom. Like, he he's can do anything. a great actor. Yeah. Yeah. Well, some of the way that the men, uh, male characters, this is not the actors, the characters, right? Show, you know, it's just so interesting to me how times have changed because, you know, the female lead in the movie has a very volatile relationship with her husband at home. Nobody ever asks if she's safe. Not once, not once. And the whole time I'm like, Oh my God, this guy could kill her, you know? And so I think that's just residue or vestige of the, and and it still is the world we live in. You know, I don't want to say the old world, but you know, keeping women safe is actually important because you know, well, I we were. Th- what's the quote? You know, uh, a, a man worries if a Don't woman's going to laugh at yes. him. Yes, and a woman worries. and a woman worries if a man will kill yes. her. Right? That's really true. I mean, that that <laughs> hasn't changed one iota. No, I, I don't mean, think so. You could you can dress it up, but and that's reality. I one I, iota, maybe that. one. No, no, one. <laughs> I think maybe one iota, uh, one single. What I mean to say is. Uh, Okay, maybe one. I I'll give you half, half an. I'll give you a skosh of an iota. But <laughs> it, when you when, when you when you really boil it down, it it you know we were talking about um, the movie Hush. We were talking oh, about horror about movies, mm-hmm. and uh, the the fellow that did Doctor Sleep oh, that yeah. was his first okay. film. Yeah, it's great. And and but the the that was that was someone's B side choice. And, oh, but cool. the point is, is like. Uh, if you look at the demo, you know, everyone's like, as filmmakers, everyone's like, ah, why do I got to make a horror movie? Why are they always selling? Why can't we do it? You know, drama, why can't we do this and that? And, but if you look at the demographics of horror movies, it's preponderance of women. Oh yeah, Women love horror movies and it's because, okay, so what, all right, I'll tell you what I think and what like the psychologist said about that. What do you, why do you think horror movies are more popular with female audiences? It's because it's a catharsis of your daily routine of like, is this guy going to kill me? You're walking on the street. Is that guy going to kill me? You're in well, an elevator. Is this guy going to kill me? You know, like the, women have to, women are, use fear as a sort of um, safety measure more. I'm not always walking down the street like, is this guy going to kill me? Maybe sometimes, but oftentimes, no. 
you know, so it's a catharsis for your daily fear. Yeah. But I also think like Bruno Bettelheim says about um, Grimm's fairy tales and children, um, it's a monstrous world. So it makes you feel safer in your own world. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a pressure valve. Yeah. It's the same way, like in our podcast world, like true crime, ginormous talk, uh, that genre is by far the dominant, um, in podcasts and it's the same yes, audience. It's predominantly women and it, you know, or like you did a lifetime film, like, yeah. you know, 94% of lifetime oh, films yeah. are like, he was the perfect husband, you know, <laughs> until, he's until, right. Yeah, oh, until good he was revealed he was skinning women. Yeah, exactly. You know? um, um, and and that, you know that that thing. Anyway, sorry. Oh, the so other costume, the other wardrobe choice that I just like jumped out at me this morning when I was watching was how he jerry rigged his briefcase with a belt to turn it into a shoulder bag. I was like, <laughs> yeah, just- fucking great. Like whoever was the costume designer, or maybe that was a collaboration. But uh, maybe it was the actor. And yeah. Maybe- Maybe you know Hackman was like, well, what if I do this? Or I just, what if I do I, this? If we're yeah. going to talk about wardrobe, I just have one thing to say. I waited a long time to get a payoff for why that boot was under the pillow. Ah. <laughs> I was because they make a point. He puts a boot under the pillow. And I was like, why the hell did he just put his boot under the pillow? And actually, Pacino yeah, yeah, asks yeah. him, he says, why do you put the boot under the pillow? And, and he goes, why don't you mind your own business? And yep. then at the end, he takes the boot off. Sorry, yep. sorry. This is this amounts to a spoiler. Spoiler. Alert. <laughs> spoiler alert nowadays. Boot spoiler. He's got ten dollars in his boot. He was protecting his money. That was all the money he had in the world. I, yep. I mean, I, right. I, I, I don't. I just thought that was. I was like, are they ever going to pay off this boot thing? And they oh, did. they always pay off the good movies. That I'm, I'm teaching my daughter. She she loves to write, and and she watches a ton of everything. And so I started talking to her recently about props and how you got to use your prop. If you if a prop gets introduced, I say you always follow the prop. See what, see how the writer uses that prop, you know. And uh, that's a perfect example. The boot, right? Gets him out of town. Right, right. Well, you know, it, the, the it, it in plays, it's the Chekhov's gun, right? Uh-huh. You can't show you can't show unless the gun you're going to use it. And the, Unless it's going to get brought down by the third act, and similarly, I would I would go literary and who was it Kafka about the 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 other shoe dropping, you know? No, I don't know that. It's like, yeah. So there's a one of his many short stories, but it it it, it was like you know you knew uh, he had thin he was the main you know typical hero he was then put upon you know middle functionary bureaucrat whatever shitty apartment and thin walls and such and so he uh he always knew his neighbor was home when he would hear the heavy boots when he heard the second boot he knew he could relax and this you know he could go to bed but mm-hmm. when he heard one boot he was just waiting and waiting and waiting and that's that's where the expression the other shoe drops. i didn't know that so he's waiting for you know how like when you had neighbor you know, especially living in New York uh-huh. you know it, you're like okay, oh it's uh it's old old man Jenkins is home and I can't relax until I hear that other goddamn shoe drop oh, <laughs> yeah so but it's 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 just a variation on Chekhov's gun it's like or you know hit but a little more contemporary is uh is Hitchcock you know you can't. You got to, if you show the bomb, it's got to go off. Any good script, they're going to use the props, you know? Yeah. 
and yeah. the wardrobe. Every everything means everything is the point yeah. in the film, right? Yeah. 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 That's a beautiful movie though, isn't it, Scarecrow? It's so heartbreaking. I, I think, you know, I really it's like so to sad. watch things I mean, that break my like, heart. I think it's mm-hmm. a variation on the horror thing, you know? Um, right. So do you okay, that's an interesting question. So did you have a good cry? Did it elicit like real emotion? The first you, or did time it I saw it for sure. Not today. Yeah. Today. I was like, and do, and, <laughs> and so a sad movie will, will, is that a similar catharsis for you? It's a release it's more of your of, own yeah. emotion. Yeah. It's more of a catharsis yeah. for me. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean. So wait, can we go back to something? Did, yeah. did you say. Oh. Did, did, the Are we talking wait, about boots again? Right? That, Come is on. it known that Hackman and. Uh, and Pacino. Yes, it's a, it's a it's a famous that yeah, they didn't get along. It specifically, I read it yeah. specifically because of that movie. That movie, but the the uh, some accounts say it's because of the different acting styles. You know, like ha- Hackman is a very still actor, so when yeah. they're changing lights or they're prepping or whatever, he just kind of sits there. Whereas Pacino, as you would imagine, is yeah. pacing yeah. and sweating and freaking. It's, a, it's sort of like the old. He's going to be running his mouth too. Yeah, yeah, and it, it, it's sort of like the old story about Marathon Man, right? Where you had uh, you had Dustin Hoffman and Lawrence Olivier. And, you know, the, the scene was supposed to be that he's torturing, uh, Lawrence Olivier is torturing Dustin Hoffman. And so in order for him to look like he's in pain and he's panicked, he would run around the block and get all sweaty and out of, out of breath. And, and Olivier would just sit there and read the paper and be like, okay, we're ready. And, uh, he's like, I, I don't understand. Like, don't, what's your prep? And he's like, it's acting, darling. Just, just act. You don't have to be a spaz about it, <laughs> you know? So it's just different schools of thought and, it's a and mutual respect. Too. I had an actress on a set who started screaming, shut up, because the crew was chatting um, between setups. And she was, you know, waiting in the sidelines. She was trying enough. to get into, yeah. There wasn't enough of a break for her to go to her trailer. We were on location in someone's house. So it was very tight when you shoot anything on location. It's always like one quarter the size of a yeah. working space than you have on a stage, as you know. And yep. uh, she just, and we had a very loud AD who used a bullhorn, which I <laughs> thought was great because like I said before, I'm such a hippy dippy director <laughs> and I'm just like, I talk to people quietly or I don't right. talk. But you want a drill sergeant to be yeah. the bad guy. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And uh, she hated him and there's a whole thing. Um, but I will never forget when she just screamed, shut up. And, and she's, a, you know, she's A-list, this one. I'm not going to name names. But I felt so bad. I was like, oh, shit. I just, was, I just was happy to see Gene Hackman on the screen again. I hadn't seen him in such a long time in something that I, I hadn't seen before. I mean, he's 91 years. I'm 92, maybe? I know. Still around in Santa Fe, yeah. retired. But it, it, you see, I was trying to explain to my son about casting. Hackman strikes me as an angry fellow. And I've heard anecdotes yes. that he's just a prickly character generally. Yes. And and I always thought that that may have, may have been his latter day as like older men. They're just, ah, I'm crotchety. Da, da, da. But he was crotchety at like 20. He's just cool. crotchety. And, and so it's interesting you know, you cast him as this sort of 
angry fellow and you realize a oh, fighter. Well, ha- yeah a hackman's fighter. kind of fight a, all the time. yeah i mean hackman's kind of a pugilist himself right you know yeah. so um do you find that in casting that that you you want the person to be close to the character at least in some respects of course yeah because yeah. they're not they're working from the inside out all the good actors they work from i mean all good creators i would argue work from the inside out right so, well, then there's the Alec Guinness school of thought, the mask and the the outfit and like outside in. Right. And I was just, you know, praising costume designers and yeah. Yes. So I am That's a half the battle, right? You, you put the cowboy boots on and you're a cowboy. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, that's true. Um, well, there's, it's, it's good to cast against type. I think. Right. Sometimes. You know? Yeah. 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 Like Maggie Gyllenhaal playing Sherry Swanson. I mean, Maggie's quite patrician. Right. And, you know, Sherry was really like a grimy New Jersey girl with dirt right. under her Different class, so, different. Yeah. Intelligence. So I think probably. that really was a nice um, tension there between, you know, the actor and the character. Um, and same with Naomi playing. Melissa, you know, Naomi Watts working, you know, the third shift in a stock shop. <laughs> I, and I didn't buy it for a minute. She's too pretty to be a stock girl. I mean, that was, that was the thing. I, I, cause my husband's Midwestern. So we, dr- and they drive everywhere, you know, they don't fly Midwesterners. And uh, so we spent a lot of time when the kids were little driving back and forth through Pennsylvania and here and to Florida. And, and I always uh, would pay attention to these beautiful flowers, you know, Mm-hmm. Out in these like hinterlands of America, and, and you know sometimes these shitty towns, and just be like, I'm gonna write a script about that girl. So she was always meant to be beautiful. Oh yeah. So scarecrow, scarecrow, Vilmos Zygmunt, master, Vilmos. master. Yes. And this is one of the reasons why people talk about this film is is Vilmos. Yeah. I also yeah. want to say how much of this film was shot guerrilla style because there is no way they got clear even back then got clearance to be on the track. I don't think they needed it. Cause I shot New York. They had Gene Hackman climbing up the side of a train and Pacino oh. Pacino uh, like climbing and him into bo- a fountain and shit. You think they just did it? Well, first of all, let me just say about that scene. That was filmed in Detroit in the winter oh. on Bell Island. And that place is cold as shit, first <laughs> yeah. of all. I don't care if it was fifty. That water was like thirty. Well, yeah. not yep. thirty, but it was cold. There was, and I, and I was looking also while watching the film, I was like, did, did they film this all in California? I was like, maybe they filmed this all in California and they didn't, but they didn't. They no. shot in Denver no and they shot in Detroit. They yeah. actually did it. But those, yeah. those train scenes, I, where they were riding the train, I was like, uh, they, did they, they must've stolen those. Cause there's just no way. No I way. don't know how unsafe things were back then, but I also know Gene Hackman was climbing a train while it was moving. No. Yeah, yeah, but you can not, you can stage that safely. I mean, yeah, but um, I don't think I do think they didn't shoot any that. coverage. No, no, I don't think so. I think I don't. I bet they used every bit of film that they shot. Every bit of film, and when they shot mm-hmm. a close up, it was the close up. It was intentional. Yeah. I mean, it was an intentional close up, mm-hmm. but they did not shoot coverage. And there were so many two shots, mm-hmm. so many two shots. And it's a movie about a relationship. And so, you know, when that didn't I, bother teach, me. 
or when I screen for, you know, these Oscars or TGA awards, whatever, whatever. If I see a movie and it's about a relationship and I don't see two shots, I'm like, right. Where's the, right. How can you visual storytelling? Right. Right. Or how can you, so even somebody is not watching that way. How can you subconsciously connect them in the frame just to, to create some sort of bond? Yeah. Of course, or, or or don't do it because they're not on the same page. Yeah, I mean that kind of stuff. It bugs me, right? Because yeah. right. it was about those two. It was about those two and seeing them both on screen and the connection between those yes. two. And um, uh, just a side note as well. I love the fact that they use the word hobo because I sometimes I call my son a hobo. Oh like, yeah, I mean, and I love and that word just does not. I think that word is going away. Well, I think after 1980, yeah, I mean, there used to be, I I almost feel like they meant this movie to be like a depression era and they ended up shooting it modern times for them because it was just inexpensive, you know? They didn't have the money, yeah. Yeah. But it also, I think they were intentional about the mythic quality, you know, like literally, Mm -hmm. you know, Lion, Francis, Pacino's character falls out of a tree. (laughs) Right. Yeah, he does. But by he the does. way, maybe that you said Wizard of Oz. I mean, maybe there was more overt Wizard of Oz stuff going on with Well, lion he's and, a lion, and, right? Well, Scarecrow, Lion. I mean, all that. Oh, you know? snap. Look at that. Oh, my God. I'm so dumb. Yeah, of course. That's intentional. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And Detroit oh. is known as the Emerald City. No, that's. No. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. Up uh, you guys, I think we got to wrap it up. Yeah, I think this is great. Thank you so much. Yeah, Lori. this was Lori. amazing. That was so fun. I appreciate it. Thank you for joining us. That was Lori Collier. We had an amazing conversation with her. Thank you for doing that, Lori. Love to have you back anytime, hopefully in the future, where you are promoting new and fabulous projects so we can continue to enjoy your work. It was really a pleasure to talk to you. It continues to be a pleasure to talk to filmmakers. And if anything, just to say that misery loves company and that we're all going through this together. I hate to dwell on the writer's strike, but here we are. This is affecting our world. And pretty soon, the world at large. They're going to run out of banked scripts. They're going to run out of banked projects in in production. It looks like the other unions are going to start locking arms with the WGA and uh, hopefully that brings about some real positive change and an end to that and uh, we'll go back to uh, the dream factory pumping out dreams so i'm alex collegian your host thank you again to my co-host ryan gibson and we wish him well and this has been how i got greenlit thank you for joining us join us also at how i got greenlit on instagram at how i got greenlit on twitter at how i got greenlit at gmail thanks for listening porn satan drugs therapy it's not just the list of what i'm up to this weekend I'm comedian Kiki Anderson, and those are just a handful of the taboo topics I've poked and prodded at so far on my podcast, Indecent, the show where we peel at the wallpaper of polite society. Each episode digs into the dark underbelly of our culture to dissect the things we aren't allowed to talk about around the dinner table, featuring conversations with comedians, activists, journalists, academics. They all help me figure out the who, what, and why behind what is and isn't acceptable behavior. 
Indecent with Kiki Anderson, where NSFW meets LMAO. Mwah. Next Chapter Podcasts.